This is Leewood Online, a ministry of Leewood Baptist Church, located in the Kansas City area. For more information about us, visit us online at www.leewoodbaptist.com. Today, we start a new sermon series through the book of Philippians. So wherever you find yourself, I hope you have um, a Bible so that way together we can look at what God's Word is saying and that you're not just taking my word for it, uh, but that uh, we together are unpacking uh, this passage of Scripture together. And so we'll be looking at the uh, book of Philippians together for the next eight weeks. Let me give you a little background about Philippians. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote uh, Philippians. Um, He wrote this letter to the churches in Philippi. And so Philippi was a Roman province. And so Paul writes uh, to them, uh, he wrote wrote to them from uh, prison, most likely in Rome around the year 62 AD. And so this book is called an epistle. An epistle is a a fancy word for a letter. A lot of times you've ever even heard me say this morning that uh, called this this a book, but really it's it's not really necessarily a book, but a letter or an epistle. And Paul wrote this from prison, so this is called the Philippians is called one of his prison epistles. So if you have uh, that Bible uh, with you, turn to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to uh, look at verse 1. In Philippians, Paul unpacks for uh, the church in Philippi what life in Christ looks like. What are the attitudes of a Christian? What is the, the mindset and the heart posture of a Christian? So we're going to be exploring together life in Christ over the next eight weeks together. So turn to Philippians chapter one, and let's go to verse one, and that's where we'll start. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So as Paul often does in a lot of his letters, if you're familiar with some of his epistles, he says hello. He write, he starts with his letter with kind of a big hello, and he says here that he's writing to the, the saints, the people in the churches of uh, Philippi, as well as the elders and the deacons um, of these churches. And so let's keep going into verse 3. Here's what it says. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you always praying with joy for all of you in in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So remember, I just said that Paul wrote this letter from prison. And so as he's in prison, he's going to write this letter to the, the people of Philippi, the Philippians. And as Paul was in prison, the Roman prison system was not a nice one. It was pretty uh, dank. It was dark. It was nasty. And so it could have been very easy for Paul 
to sit there in prison with some self-pity, self-misery, and quite frankly, just be depressed. But in his openly dialogue, we see something very interesting about Paul. He displays his vibrant communion with Christ. And with this vibrant communion he has with Jesus, the result of this is an almost strange, if not bizarre, joy. And you say, what's so strange and bizarre about it? Remember, he's in prison. And so for him to say in verse uh, four that he's always praying with joy would honestly would seem quite unusual. Here he writes a prayer of thanksgiving with joy for the Philippians. And this is the first time that Paul mentions joy in Philippians. And as we continue the next eight weeks through this epistle, we're going to see a common theme in Paul's writing here to the Philippians is that one, a theme of joy. And this is, the, this is his first mention of it. And in this constant theme of joy in Philippians, he says in chapter 1, verse 4, he prays with joy. In chapter 1, verse 18, we'll see that he rejoices that Christ is proclaimed. In chapter 2, verse 2, Paul asks the Philippians to complete his joy. In verses 17 and 18 of chapter 2, we're going to see that Paul is glad and he rejoices with the Philippians. At the end of chapter 2, in verses 28 through 29, he sends Epaphroditus, and we'll talk more about him when the time comes, but he sends this guy, Epaphroditus, to the Philippians, and he tells them to rejoice and to receive Epaphroditus with joy. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he tells the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord. And at the end of his epistle here in Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 1, he tells the Philippians that they are his joy. And then in verse 4, he tells them twice to rejoice. Joy is a constant theme here in Paul's writing to the Philippians. And that's a, quite a bit of joy for a guy who's stuck in a Roman prison. So we see in Paul's writing that, the, in, that in the life of a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that joy is found in their lives. Now, we're not talking about a unrealistic joy or a happy-go-lucky joy or some kind of delusion or un, someone that's unrealistic with life. But we're talking about as a believer, as a Christian, our lives, our, our, the meaning in our lives is found only in Jesus. Over the last month, five or six weeks, we have found ourselves together in a very unusual situation, basically in a way under uh, house arrest, uh, being quarantined, being isolated away from people and out of the normal patterns of our life due to this COVID-19 virus. What's happened over the last five or six weeks to us is that we have been stripped of things that we can find temporary joy in, in school, in sports, in community, and being together with our family and friends, um, even getting together in person as the church and worshiping. And we can find temporary joy in that, but that's been stripped away from us over the last month. So I wonder if what God is doing is he is teaching us something. 
I wonder if God is stripping us down to show us that only real joy and meaning in life can be found in Jesus. You see, if we find our joy and our satisfaction in our life circumstances, the reality is it's only a matter of time before that joy will be deflated. Though we may be temporarily have joy and temporarily be happy, it's only a matter of time before a circumstance or something in our lives happens to where that joy could be taken away. But what Paul is saying here in Philippians is that real lasting joy is only found in Jesus. And see, that makes complete total sense because Jesus has provided us with a relationship with God. Our sins have been forgiven by his death on the cross. We have a purpose to fulfill in spreading the name and glory of Jesus to the world, to the nations. So we have a purpose to fulfill in Christ. Our eternity is secure in Christ and because of his work for us. So if you don't know Jesus, I pray that you will come to know him, that you will confess your sin before God and trust in Jesus for your salvation so that you can experience that real lasting joy that can only be found in Jesus. We also see another concern or, a, uh, or something that is on Paul's mind here in Philippians chapter 1. We see that the sanctification of the Philippians is a very top priority in his mind because he says in verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What Paul's talking about, and we're going to explore this more, he unpacks it more in verses 9 through 11, so we'll read it together, but he's talking about a started a good work in us. What is that, that good work that is being started up in us and that is going to be brought to completion in the day of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul, I think, unpacks that for us down in verse 9. Look at it with me in verse 9. He says this, And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior, superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so Paul talks about that we would approve things that are superior and pure and blameless and that we would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And he, talk, and he says in, in verse 6 that he who started a good work in us will carry it on until the day of Christ Jesus. What Paul is talking about is the sanctification of the believers in Philippi. Now that word sanctification may be a, a word that is... Uh, maybe above some of our vocabulary, like what does that even mean? What, is, what does sanctification mean? What sanctification is, it is the process that God takes us through after salvation to make us more like Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, he is holy. He is blameless. He is completely righteous. There's no sin in him. But we know our own hearts, we're sinful. That's why we need a savior in the first place is because we're sinful. But even after we come to know Christ through salvation, 
we still have a tendency to sin, though we shouldn't, and we should um, renounce sin in our lives, and we should we should confess sin, and and um, become more and more like Jesus. That's called sanctification. That process of becoming more like Jesus, and we'll never be completely there, completely righteous like Jesus here on this earth. But God is, through the, the work of the Holy Spirit, making us more like Jesus. There should be a natural progression in our lives of becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's sanctification. So I ask all of us, do we see from our salvation, do we see a natural progression to becoming more like Jesus Christ? Not that we're perfect, not that we're always good, but that there's a natural upward trend in our lives to becoming more like Jesus Christ. See, there's a lot of people that believe, well, I believe in Jesus. I've prayed a prayer, so therefore I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian now, and I've got my get-out-of-hell-free card, and so I can live my life however I want. But that's not even true. That doesn't even really make sense. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of him, we're going to follow in the example and the pattern of the life of Jesus. And that will result in sanctification in us becoming more like him. If we do not see a pattern of progression in our lives, a pattern of becoming more like Jesus in our lives, it would be right for us to even question and even doubt, am I really a child of God? Am I truly a follower and believer in Jesus Christ? You see, belief in Jesus just isn't enough. Even the Bible tells us that even the, the, the demons believe in Christ. But that belief in Jesus results in us becoming more like Jesus. It results in good works. Even as James says in his letters, that faith without works is dead. And so we, there should be a natural progression, sanctification, being com, becoming more like Jesus Christ in the life of the believer. We also see in verses 9 through 11 how Paul is interceding for his partners in the gospel. I like that word of partners in the gospel, that uh, though Paul is an apostle, he had seen the risen Christ, and he was a great missionary and started and planted many churches. He calls the church in Philippi partners in the gospel. And that is one of the beauties of being a part of the faith family of God, is that we are partners together in the gospel. We as, we as churches, we don't set up our own little kingdoms. We are partners together in the gospel. And he prays for the sanctification of the, of the Philippians, that they would be coming more like Jesus Christ. And another pattern, another sign of a believer in Jesus Christ is one who's praying for the sanctification of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So we see here in Philippians chapter 1 that in our life in Christ, as we follow Christ in our lives, our lives are, are marked with joy, not an irrational joy, but a understanding that true meaning of life is found in Jesus Christ. A follower of Jesus in our life in Christ is a progression, a sanctification process as we are growing to become more like Jesus Christ that results in good works. And then that we see that we are partners in the gospel together. 
that we are partnering in spreading the glory of God to the ends of the earth. And then we need to be praying for one another that we would all be coming more like Jesus Christ as we go through the sanctification process together. Would you pray for me? Pray with me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the joy that we have in Christ that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what is going on in our lives, that true meaning and joy in our lives is only found in Christ. And God, right now, I thank you for the coronavirus. I thank you that you are stripping down many of us, taking away things from us that we find temporary joy in, and that you are pushing us into a position of realizing and understanding that only true meaning and joy is found in Jesus. I pray you'd grow our love and our affection for Jesus at this time. And that through this COVID-19, God, I pray that you would sanctify us even more, purify us, make us more like Jesus so we can do good works to glorify you. And I pray that you would do whatever it takes to make us like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Leewood Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information about us and our ministry, please visit us at www.leewoodbaptist.com. Thank you.